Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin, and joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Muted. <laughs> I'm muted. Great. I was muted. <laughs> cool. Sorry, it's a little early to be talking about college football on a Sunday in July. I'm, I'm just saying. It's July 30th, but okay. Still July. Uh, and angry boy, Matthew Hubertson at No Pit Stops. Dude. Spa just disappointed so bad this weekend. That was terrible. And for the last time, Reed at MF underscore Reed. We're back. We are so back. This is it, our first actual weekly episode of the 2023-24 season. We're excited to be back for real, for real. Uh, We're here every week from now until April live on YouTube Sundays at 9 a.m. Pacific. And for our OG podcast listeners, our podcast will drop on your feeds as they normally do on Mondays at at 5 a.m. Pacific. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, uh, that would be one of you. That's fine. We're still learning this. Uh, comment away with your thoughts and questions. And also do us a massive favor. Smash that like button. As the industry says, I see XX of you. One. That was my placeholder for one. Uh, I see one of you joining us uh, live right now, so I don't know why I don't see one like on this stream. (laughs) Uh, Also, subscribe to our new YouTube channel by clicking subscribe. If you're a podcast listener, we'll have the link in the episode description on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Our goal is to get 100 subs before the start of the season. Can we do it? We're at 27 right now, so we we can find out. Uh, also, we have a few other announcements. Remember our Patreon at uh, NoTruckStuffs.com. Uh, we have officially lowered our subscription price to just $5. And for $5, you are getting a bonus episode every week starting now until April. And, of course, you're getting off-season bonus content. Uh, we're doing team-specific deep dive episodes every week until the season starts, just like we did last year. Those were a ton of fun, so subscribe to get access to those. We're also announcing something else you'll get for $5. Reed and I are dropping the first ever and maybe last ever No Truck Stops Pac-12 preview magazine. Reed, do you want to say a little bit about our magazine? Sure. Yeah. For some reason, uh, we decided to do this, a 30-page preview magazine. It has taken a lot of time, uh, but I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, I wrote 500-word previews for each team, uh, as well as choosing a make-or-break position group. Carlos gave five takeaways from 2022. Avery compared each school to a Barbie. Uh, and there are also picks for every Pac-12 game, as well as a preseason no truck stops poll. And it all looks very pretty, in my opinion. So please go check that out on our Patreon. It's only five bucks a month. Or if you have a free trial, uh, you can do it that way. And yeah, you will learn at least something from that. And it will fund our flights, tickets, and drinks for the Pac-12 title game. <laughs> Avery, does it actually look pretty? Can... Yeah, I think it looks okay. good. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, we'll also have a preview magazine for basketball at some point. Uh, I might carry that. Might make Greg do some writing. We'll see about that. But uh, if you want all that and our bonus content, go over to NoTruckStops.com to subscribe. All right. Let's get on with the actual football now. Uh, now that we have all that housekeeping out of the way. Uh, so this is the first part of a four-part series previewing the Pac-12 this year. And the first order of business is to play a little game, as we normally do. Uh, we are each going to be making some imaginary bets on over-under win totals from uh, last year. Sorry. 
yeah, whatever. Matt didn't like the over-under language. He's right. I don't know what else to call that. Uh, so here's, here's how it's going to work. We're each going to get $20, uh, no truck stops dollars, to bet on teams who will increase or decrease their win total from 2022. Uh, and you can distribute that fake money however you'd like. But here's the catch. You have to pick three teams. Uh, okay, so for example, if I am 100% certain that Arizona is going under their 2022 win total, I might put $18 on the Wildcats to win fewer than five games. Uh, and then maybe I'll throw a dollar each on Oregon and Oregon State to surpass their win totals of 10. Okay, is that clear? It's clear. It should be clear to y'all because we talked about it right before we actually so did this. <laughs> Delightful. So, so how about we start with Avery? Avery, you're up. Uh, what, what, what bets are you making here? And I'll pull up the uh, the over under win totals as we're doing that. I feel like there's one very very easy bet on the board here, and it's Colorado. I I can almost guarantee that Colorado's going to win at least two football games. I don't even need to look at their schedule. I feel pretty confident about that. So I'll put ten on Colorado to win at least two games, and then. Looking at the rest of the wins, um, Arizona State feels really low. They had a really shitty season last year, and I feel like even with all the unknowns of their coaching staff, four wins is not going to be that hard to reach. So I'm going to put eight on Arizona State. And being fun and exciting, um, I'm going to put $2 on Utah to get less than 10 wins so to recap you got ten dollars on colorado to win more than one yeah eight dollars on did you say air air no wait how much on arizona arizona state arizona state eight dollars okay and two dollars on on utah on utah win less i think your mic got a little muffled there um okay any reactions to avery putting those fair those feel like the most obvious ones I definitely like the, I mean, the Colorado one is fairly obvious. Like, that's fair. Um, I do think that Arizona State is interesting just because we don't really know for certain what their defense is going to look like this year, I think. And so I do think that there's some concern as far as, obviously, there's a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that can score. So I think that that is definitely a little bit more of a stretch to me. And then, I mean, because we are including postseason games, um, include like championship games, play uh bowl games, everything like that. Utah less than 10 feels a little dangerous to me. Like it, Utah, the last six years has been a nine win machine. And then, you know, getting into a non Rose bowl bowl game, like you have to feel good about your chances. So I, I think that that's a little bit bold, but you only put $2 on it. So. That's not bad. Not bad. Reed, any reactions to grapes uh, distribution of her win totals here? Yeah. Same as Matt. I think that, just kind of going through that schedule for Utah in the preseason, you know, you see a few hiccups there. Obviously there's the USC game, the Washington game, the Oregon state game on the road, but otherwise there's definitely a path to nine wins. Uh, And so with a bowl game with maybe, I mean, we've seen them back to back conference champs, obviously if they could get into that game, I think uh, I stay. I stayed away from that ten win total. I think they could hit that again. Yeah, you need, I, you I, need someone to root against. <laughs> um, I yeah, I think these are these are fair. Uh, Arizona definitely. I 
Yeah, you have two teams that are going to get some real dramatic improvement uh, as we pull up Avery's win totals here. I think the two teams that feel like they're going to get the obvious improvement from last year because they got new coaches were Colorado and Arizona State. I'm really curious about Arizona State. I kind of think people might, I don't know, people are less confident, it feels like, that they're going to actually be good. I sort of feel like people are expecting them to go 3-9, and 4-8 and eight and again. I don't see that at all. Uh, I am very much of the opinion that Arizona State has enough talent and has always had enough talent to get like six wins at very minimum. Um, so I don't know. And Kenny Dillingham, I, like, I don't think he was a bad hire at all, unless he's a disastrous hire. Uh, then call Arizona state should be good for at least five wins, probably six or seven, honestly. Um, yeah. and who knew no. that the character development surrounding, um, Carlos and Kenny Dillingham would come this far. <laughs> The real ones remember how much Carlos fucking hated Kenny Dillingham, and now he trusts Kenny Dillingham to <laughs> bring forth a prosperous era for Arizona State football. Virgins come together. I've always said it. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> uh, Reed, you had you had quips. You you were you were very unconvinced, I guess, by Arizona State. Well, not that I was unconvinced. I just think seven wins is is a lot. Okay, all right, fair enough. Well, Reed, let's uh, let's switch over to you. What uh, what were your what are your thoughts on where, where where do you have your bets where are you hedging your bets right now? Well, speaking of Arizona State, they actually are uh, my lead team here. I put ten bucks down on Arizona State over three wins. I think they're helped a lot by the fact that Southern Utah is basically a free win. Uh, Fresno State at home should be a win. Colorado at home or Washington State at home should be a win. So you're at three very easily there. And then it's just about, you know, can you beat an Oklahoma State, a California, Arizona to end the season will be close. Um, and Oregon's going there. Yeah, true, true, right. Uh, UCLA, too, like you could beat. You know, there's a lot of extra games where you could grab one upset there. Uh, so over three, just like there's such an uh, easy and simple path to improvement there after the dysfunction last season. And I also think their skill positions are going to be, you know, better than half the conference probably. So that helps a lot with a new offensive coordinator or offensive mind like Dilly. Um, my second team I put was actually Arizona over five wins. Uh, that's pretty simple. Wow. It's just, can Arizona make a bowl game is basically the question there. And I'm going to go out and say yes uh, and put $5 on that. Uh, again, I mean, you get help here from Northern Arizona and UTEP being essentially free wins. And then it's just about cleaning up the bottom half of the conference and maybe, you know, surprising a team like a Washington who visits them um, or an Oregon State or UCLA or Utah. Like, can they get one of those upsets against the top half? I think they can. And I think that they'll win more times than not against the bottom half as well. Uh, and then my final team uh, to tap into my hater energy a little bit here, uh, Beavlet, under 10 wins. I, I hate to do this. Get him off the show. But uh, I don't really hate to do this. It's the defense, man. I, I do not trust this defense to be what it was last year. I also think the passing offense is suspect given the receivers that they're returning. Uh, and also Oregon State, you know, 
are they actually over the road issues that they showed two years ago? They went one and six on the road or one and six away from Corvallis two seasons ago. I'm not sure that games like at Wazoo, at Cal, at Arizona, and at Colorado, uh, they're capable of sweeping. Uh, so I'm under 10 wins there for my final $5. All right. Well, that's interesting. So he's got $10. Just to recap, we'll get this up on here soon. Reed has 10 of his 20 no truck stops dollars going to Arizona State, uh, going over their three win total from last year. He's got $5 on Arizona to go over five wins. And he's got another $5 on our beloved Beavlet of Oregon State getting under 10 wins. So, Avery, we can start with you. Do you have any gripes with Reed's bets here? I mean, I have gripes. Um, Oregon State <laughs> under 10 wins, like, logically isn't the worst bet in the world, but I just think it's dumb that Reed would say that on this podcast <laughs> since we have, like, long-standing tradition of not being haters of Oregon State. <laughs> I was guess when you paused for a second there, I'm like, we do have a long-standing uh, history of being haters, but yes, not it of Oregon not State. not of Oregon State. They're the <laughs> ones right. that usually get away from that. Other than that, like... Who, you bet Arizona State, and then what was the other team? Arizona. Oh, yeah. Arizona, I don't know how to feel about Arizona. I'm, like, kind of an Arizona hater for non-football reasons this year. Like, Fair. I think that's a safe bet just because they were so close to getting six wins last year with, like, it was not a great team. Like, Jane Delora was not do- – he was, like, really 50-50. Obviously, he had great – um, receivers, the defense wasn't good, and I feel like in year two of him being at Arizona, they'll probably be better. And considering how close they were to six wins last year, I don't think that's a crazy bet at all. And then obviously, I agree with you on Arizona State. Like getting four wins with that schedule isn't out of the realm of possibility at all. Matthew Hubertson, what about you? How are you feeling about Reed's win totals here? I mean, Reed's an idiot. I, I think that that is, <laughs> is pretty clear and obvious. Um, I think that picking this Arizona team in this Pac-12 with the schedule that they have to go bowling, I think is 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 bold. I think that you're getting plus odds on that money. Um, I really uh, like. I love the fact that they likely start out three and one, um, if not four and zero. Oh, but I just I look at the back half of that schedule and the, your winnable games are on the road and everything else. Like you're not beating Oregon State. You're not beating Utah. You're not beating UCLA. So I, I struggle to feel confident about a sixth win. I have a really hard time even finding a seventh win there. So I don't love that. And and as far as I mean, come on, man. Like what what are we doing with Oregon State? What are you doing? They're going to have 10 wins with two games left to go in the season. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, I. I these feel logical to me. These feel like boring to me, Reed. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but they feel fair. Arizona State, we talked about them. Arizona's interesting. I think that's kind of a hot one, actually. That one's not that boring. And I'm sort of surprised that people didn't really call it out as potentially weird. Uh, their schedule is not like the worst in the world. Uh, they've got Northern Arizona. They've got Mississippi State, UTEP. That's all non-conference stuff. Probably we'd say at Mississippi State is a loss. They'll get those other two. I know you sort of went through this, but 
Uh, and then they get at Stanford, at USC, at Washington State, at Colorado, at Arizona State. Uh, you know, not not a, a horrible draw, but their home game their home games are pretty hard. Uh, they got Washington, UCLA, and Utah all at home. So, and you might say, well, okay, that's actually good for them to get the hard games at home. But you, those also aren't those become those move from likely losses to like lean losses, maybe a toss up. So I don't know. It's it's hard for me to figure out, you know, where the five, where the where the six wins might come from. So I'm a little bit worried about that. But I mean, it, it, it it's a bet that might net you some extra money. You know, you're gonna go out on a limb to do it. So I don't I don't hate it at all. Um, any other thoughts about uh, Reed's Reed's bets here? Well, I'll just say I think that. It really comes down to how you view those home games against the top six teams in the conference or four of those six. Uh, and especially the stretch we're going to mo- learn the absolute most about Arizona this season is coming off their bye week, hosting Oregon State and UCLA. I think if any team has the opportunity to make the transition from bottom six to top six in this conference, it's Arizona and we will see it if they can beat Oregon State and UCLA at home coming off their bye week. Yeah, be interesting. All right, Matthew Richardson, you're up. I'm shocked your, that, uh, where your bets are. I'm shocked that this hasn't been taken yet. I have $8 on Stanford, less than three wins. Oh, um, that's, that's... I'm shocked that that hasn't been pulled. Uh, really not a good team. Um, with They do have 10 P5 games. They are at Hawaii. Sacramento State, a little institutional knowledge uh, coming to them. They'll beat Sacramento State. But um, they are at (laughs) Colorado on a Friday, you know, one of those winnable games that all of a sudden turns into a uh, pretty clear Pac-12 loss. So I have a really hard time. I I can't find four wins. Maybe they get to three this year. But I think that two is is very much the likely scenario for Stanford. Um, The next one that I have... I'm I'm torn on whether or not nah, I want to go with like six dollars and split these, or if I want to stake more of a claim. But I have six dollars on each USC and Washington uh, under their win total. Um, wow! The, the USC <laughs> one to me is that the I, I I see USC either finishing with ten or eleven wins. Nobody is getting twelve wins in this conference. It's just mm. not happening. And USC, if they are in a position to win the Pac-12. Congratulations! Your uh, your reward is Georgia. You're, you're still not getting a twelfth win, um, and then otherwise, like if they do end up losing in a Pac-12 championship game, if they don't make a Pac-12 championship game, I think that the brand is once again going to have them overseeded in a New Year's Six team against a much better team like a Tulane again. I think that 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 uh, reality is likely. So I have a I, I don't see them uh, <laughs> really doing much in the postseason and getting to that 11th and 12th win and then Washington. And, and this is kind of the same thing with, with SC, the schedule is just so much harder than last year. You, you are increasing your legitimately good teams on the schedule by two. And so I don't see either one of them getting through the regular season with more than 10 wins at all. So uh, Washington's a little bit tougher. Cause I do think that they will care about a bowl game. Whereas um, SC, uh, I think that they're going to be lucky to be able to field a team for the bowl game with uh, the first rounders that they'll have coming out of the season. But that's, I, I'm mostly just hating for this segment. I think I'm picking those three teams to go under. Big time hating ass. 
bets here. Uh, let's get those pulled up, and we can have a conversation about them. Any reactions here? He's got some hot takes. Both USC and Washington under 11 wins. Stanford under three wins. Anyone anyone shocked by where Matt Huberson's gone here? I hope you're right, man. I, I really <laughs> hope you're right. Um, I've literally never been wrong. <laughs> I did not have the guts to make these calls, uh, especially USC. I think, yeah, like 11 wins, that's a high bar. Also, look at their schedule. They're like the only team you would say doesn't have a clear loss on it. Um, the most they have are like toss-ups here, basically, against maybe a Notre Dame and Oregon. Um you know, they get Utah and Washington stop, at stop home. Stop being scared and, and being afraid of being called a homer. <laughs> call, call the Oregon game a loss. Come on. <laughs> That's true. We'll, I'll ensure it's a loss when I'm there. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to streak? I, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, disrupt Caleb Williams' flow somehow. Um, yeah, and Washington, I, I was close to pulling the trigger on that one, but... I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's tough to get a f- great read on UW. I think they could kind of break out and be that team. Uh, but, yeah, I'd lean under there for sure as well. Yeah, I, uh, I am. I am. I'm so I hear you about USC and Washington, right? Getting over over 11 seems hard, especially I think Washington's schedule has improved pretty significantly uh they're even their non-conference it's like they swap out uh what was it portland state probably and uh kent state for boise state and tulsa 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 tulsa's bad but boise state's (laughs) gonna be good um they gotta go to east lansing play michigan state um and i don't you know they've got to play at usc didn't have to play usc last year they've got to play at oregon state uh that game i think a bunch of people are going to go to so i i think it's going to be a tough uh, a tough road for for washington i feel like that's fair usc though i've got to say their schedule lines up somewhat nicely but also they bring back a ton of production if you have not been keeping up with the offseason they bring back so much production. They're actually top 10 in Bill Connolly's returning production metric. Um, and they are 31st. They're bringing back 73% of their offensive production, 78% of their defensive production. I get it. Their defense wasn't great. Uh, I totally understand that their defense was bad. But, like, it wasn't because it was untalented. Uh, I, it's not going to be because would, it was. Would you say maybe it was because of poor coaching? Yes, maybe, maybe something at least like that. talent is something they could fix because yeah. Alex Grinch does not appear to be going anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he, you gotta like, you've gotta believe that Alex Grinch is in order for to think USC is getting twelve wins. You have to believe that Alex Grinch is going to make at least some marginal improvement. If you, if their defense jumps from like what top one hundred, the one hundredth defense in the country to like eightieth, which is a very, very minor jump. That's enough for me. Their offense on its own got to 11 wins, and they were a Caleb Williams hamstring injury away from winning the fucking Pac-12 in in their first year without a real defense to speak of. Uh, and their schedule, I don't know, doesn't look that much, uh, much more worse. So uh, I... How does the I, schedule not look worse? Can you explain that to me? 
<laughs> I don't think it looks dramatically worse. Uh, yes, they have to play at Oregon. That's true. Yes, and they have to play Washington. Washington. And it's at Notre Dame. Like, it yeah. is significantly worse. Yeah, and Notre I, Dame will have a pulse this year. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. But they get UCLA at home, which is different than what they had. Their non-conference, San Jose State, Nevada, I guess they always have a pretty weak non-conference. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I guess I'm, uh, I am, I don't know. I, I think you'd rather, okay, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I, I think you would rather play Oregon State than you would Oregon. I think uh, they missed out on the better team. So, um, wait, wait, what, what was that? You think, yeah, sorry, I think, you think you'd rather play Oregon, Oregon think, than I Oregon State? I think location State? really matters here. Yeah, I think if they have to play, if you have to choose between at Oregon and at Oregon State, I think you'd rather play at Oregon. Um, I, no. I and yeah, I don't know. They, I mean, I, the thing is, is that with Oregon, I, we're not sure what they're going to be defensively. We don't have no clue whatsoever what they're going to look like defensively. They were bad I, last year. They were straight up secret. bad. We don't know what Oregon State will be defensively. Uh, I, I, I have a, I feel fairly confident that. Top 50 is, like, a reasonable expectation. I, they're losing a lot on defense, but they actually they actually had a top 10 defense last year, and that was uh, – that was that, – that felt sustainable to me. And I don't know. I don't know how you attribute that to anything other than coaching. Like, Trent Bray took over midway through a 2021 season, a, a defense that was disastrous, came back with almost exactly the same players – and turn them into a top ten defense. So like I I guess I'm just I guess I have a lot of faith that Oregon State's gonna have at least a decent defense. Reed Reed uses far too much logic when evaluating <laughs> Oregon State. Like you're 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 fighting in a losing battle immediately by just saying like logically, like if you look at their roster, there's how could we possibly know? That doesn't I know. It doesn't need I don't need logic. Some things we are just written in the stones of time. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like you're right, Reed, they do lose a fair amount defensively. Oregon state does, um, losing Omar Spates to LSU. Maybe the best probably should have been a contender for PAC 12, def- uh, defensive player of the year. He wasn't, but, uh, one of the best players in the conference last year, he's gone to LSU. They, I think they are bottom 40 in the league in returning production, uh, bottom 40 in the country in returning production uh, defensively. But I don't know. I mean, again, uh, they went from a bottom 20 defense to a top 10 defense in one year under Trent Bray with again, the same players. Do we, do we believe that there might be some development work going on, that they're actually going to be pretty good this year? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I think it's more unknown. You're right. But Oregon's, Oregon's defense was bad last year. And I'm not sure we have any reason to believe that they're going to be better. Well, I mean, I think I think they'll probably be better. I think one. it's probably likely, yeah. But I don't, you know, I think we're less confident in that. Go ahead. I'm more confident that Oregon State's defense, I'm very confident they'll decline. I mean, the secondary was what made them great. And they lost three of the four key pieces from that. Right. So I don't think that USC going to Oregon State is going to look like that 14 17 game last year if you run it back in 2023. And then on top of that, Oregon's offense is so much better than Oregon State's is. It, that's just the facts of the matter. Uh, if you're playing USC, you got to be able to score into the 30s or 40s. And I don't know if Oregon State can do that. 
Yeah. We went on a tangent here. This was originally about USC and whether uh, their schedule was actually a downgrade. I do agree that Washington is a, is, is a tougher matchup than Washington State. And then we got on this tangent because we said uh, – or th- because I said Oregon State was a tougher matchup than Oregon was. I still sort of buy that uh, just because – I don't know. I, I think you need a good defense in order to mitigate uh, USC and everyone kind of – cave to usc because they somebody, no one played defense somebody pull up a carlos tweet about talent shining through and, and uh, shit like that we use this talent to fight every battle until we're talking about fucking oregon state and then it's like everything goes out the window I USC, which i agree with but usc has nine straight games to close the season without a break five of those are on the road and they have a stretch of at notre dame home to utah at cal home to washington at Oregon, home to UCLA. Like, that's a brutal, brutal stretch. It just is. Yeah. Or what were you going to say, Reed? I want to side bet Oregon's defense versus Oregon State's defense this season. Uh, a bar tab in Vegas at the per, end of the year. Per what metric? What do we want to do? Carlos, what metric uh, do you want to uh, use? Are we going to go SP Plus? Are we going to go Beta Rank? We can go Beta Rank. Yeah, Rob Bowen's uh, the a homie. Foolish bet, Carlos. Well, Stats will never idea, favor dude. Oregon State. <laughs> okay, who's who's ranked higher in Beta Rank, Oregon's defense or Oregon State's? Uh, we'll do a bar tab in, in Vegas at that lovely end of the year. Lovely. Great. Let's do it. Um, all right, I guess it's my turn for over under win totals. I gotta be honest, I didn't come up with these. I didn't prepare well enough. Uh, but here we are anyway. I, uh, I I've gone back and forth about honestly what to do about UCLA. Um, UCLA got nine wins last year. It feels reasonable to me that it's going to be under. I don't think it's going to be over, but I also something tells me that they might get nine wins this year. And by the way, when we talked about how many wins they'd get, we're including their bowl games. I think there's a I think there's a really good shot that UCLA does end up with like a ten and three record. They go nine and three. They win the Sun Bowl or something like that. I think that is entirely uh, there. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and put like three dollars on that. I don't feel super confident, but something tells me that I mean UCLA brings in they they lose their star senior super senior quarterback in Dorian Thompson Robinson. They obviously lose Zach Charbonnet, uh, but they bring in some pieces that fit pretty well uh dante moore probably gonna start if not it's maybe ethan garbers if it's ethan garbers i want to take this back but if it's, <laughs> if it's dante if dante moore is good enough which i've heard good things if he's good enough to actually start at ucla next year uh i would i, I i'd be really curious about ucla defensively We'll see. They've got a new defensive coordinator, a young guy who I think um, seems to potentially have a good head on his shoulder. Don't know. It's like Anthony Lynn's son. I don't know what that means. Um, so that could be interesting. They bring in Carson Steele from Ball State, who is going to be, I think he was preseason second uh, second team all-conference, right? Um, people yeah. are really looking at him. So Carson Steele could be interesting. Uh, they've got they've got some interesting. T- J. Michael Sturdivant, the picked up from Cal, their top receiver, he's going to be there. So their offense probably should be good. I'm really curious about UCLA. I am I am UCLA curious, as they would say. So I'm going to put three dollars on over wins, over nine wins, just to just to see. Um, I've got Oregon going under ten wins. Uh, I'm just. I get. I don't know why. I feel down on Oregon. Um, 
And their toughest games are uh, late and also on the road. They've got to play at Washington, and then they've got to play at Utah two weeks later. Those two feel like me at Washington, at Utah. Like, I almost pencil them in as losses. And then after that, they've still got to play USC. They've still got to play Oregon State. Um, they've still got to go to Lubbock to play Texas Tech. I'm I'm feeling Oregon. Give me – I'm going to put $10 on Oregon to go under 10 wins. I think there's something weird about that schedule to me. Bo Nix is back, so that's great. Uh, they are bringing back a lot of talent offensively. They've got Troy Franklin. They've got Bucky Irving coming back. They've got Noah Slippington coming back. Um, defensively is the thing where I'm sort of worried. I know they have a lot of talent there. Uh, Brandon Dorless should be very interesting as a player. But Dan Lanning is a defensive mastermind and did absolutely nothing with this defense last year. So I am really, really curious about whether Oregon actually gets there. So I've got $10 on them going under. And then I've got Washington State. The rest of my money was at $7 going under seven wins. Absolutely no fucking confidence in Washington State. Uh, Cam Ward is not a good quarterback, if I'm being completely honest. Um I I'm am... told that's racism. <laughs> I was going to say it, but thank you, Matt. Uh, I, I am deeply suspicious of Cam Ward's ability to Oh, improve. you're suspicious of Cam Ward, a black man? <laughs> um, his, his ability to, like, run is very interesting to me, but he also, like, ran into sacks, like, three times a game, probably. He was, he was really tough to watch. That wash and Washington State loses some weapons, right? They lose their uh, star wide receiver. They lose their running back. Um, they are 58th in Bill Connolly's returning production. They're 64th in returning offensive production and 54th in returning defensive production. I just think the bottom's going to fall out. They didn't look good at the end of last year. Uh, some they had like those vibes of a team that like looked their finish made me feel like they were a little fraudulent. So. I don't know. I, that's where I have Wazoo. I'm I am very skeptical of Washington State right now. Any uh, Carlos any reactions? A, a quarterback that runs for 0.5 yards per attempt has a has an interesting running ability. That's okay. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, any reactions to to my bets? I think we keep forgetting that last season was Dan Lanning's first year. We we judge him extremely harshly. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. It's true. Okay, so you you disagree. You think you think ten dollars on him going under ten wins is is a little too harsh. I mean, I I think it's like the same level of bet as me putting money on Utah to go under ten wins. Like getting nine wins in the regular season and getting a bowl game win is not crazy. Like I feel like it's no like a normal thing to expect that but it, yeah. i don't know take the chance <laughs> i'm not gonna sit here and fight you i think it's funny how you're always like oh, i really hate on oregon and i know why you hate on oregon it's because of reed it's because of reed <laughs> when reed joined the podcast you stopped being an oregon sympathizer yeah i remember that's that oregon is not true you are not an oregon sympathizer ah uh, yeah here we go either. he here was we go. he was he was more than he is now Oregon-Washington State was the game where I was, like, one of the few Oregon sympathizers where I was like, I don't know. I think this means that they're good. Like, this probably matter for something. Listen, and I remember. listen. Oregon did not win that game. Washington State lost that game. There's, like, a very <laughs> obvious difference. That was the turning point. Yeah. 
Very, very interesting. Matthew Hubertson, what are your reactions to, to my win total bets? Um, Oregon, I believe, <clears throat> who was it? I think it was, uh, oh, what's his name? The Mr. The coaching matrix guy, bullshit, whatever his name is, uh, talked about how two <laughs> games were lost by the choice to go for two last year, uh, both by Dan Lanning and Oregon. Oregon very easily could have been 11 and one last season. So, um, yeah, I think that's pretty bad. I think that's a pretty bad choice. I do not see a world where they finish the season with eight wins, and I very much like them to win their bowl game. So I I think that's pretty dumb. Okay. (laughs) Reed, do you agree? I think you're pretty dumb. Okay. All right. All right. Reed. (laughs) Oregon's had 10 wins now the last three years, uh, non-COVID years. So uh, there's a pretty good track record of the Ducks being able to get to double digits. I think this year, uh, yeah, I mean, like the Utah game scares me. But other than that, I think Oregon has toss-ups and winnable games. They have a lot of talent. They have a returning quarterback who's good. Um, And, like, we'll see what Landon can figure out on defense. Uh, This just seems like an unnecessary risk to take for a team that consistently hits the win total uh, that you're talking about. Otherwise, uh, I mean, I could say the same thing about UCLA. It makes no yeah, that sense was a that, that was a ga- <laughs> that was a gamble, a real gamble. <laughs> like, not when you're just picking a win total that's just directly in their range. Like their preseason is is probably eight and a half, if I had to guess. So you add on the bowl game, it's like you are just flirting with disaster there. It's three dollars. Three of my twenty dollars. Am I really flirting with disaster? <laughs> Listen, that's that's six Greg units. All right, <laughs> that's six Greg units. <laughs> uh, and then Washington State. That one I thought was more interesting. Uh, one I think you said their running back's gone. I think Nakia Watson is back. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nakia Watson is back. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Carlos uh, doesn't know their names. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, the the wide receiver. I do remember the wide receiver's sure. name. John oh, Stribling, yes, Donovan Holly, yes. Ro- Robert Farrell. Yeah, their four best wide receivers are all gone. So that's yes. that is worrying. Uh, the Cam Ward point is really interesting. Uh, I think, yeah, his development was pretty atrocious last year. We'll see if that can kind of see some improvement this year. Um, the one thing that worries me about under seven there is they have Colorado state, Northern Colorado and Stanford and Colorado at home, uh, which are four pretty clear wins. (laughs) I think, well, I think especially with how bad Stanford is going to be and the fact that they get Colorado in week 11, a team without much depth, uh, that's, I would say four wins kind of in the bank. All right. Well, Carlos, just go ahead. um, Matthew Britson. It, yeah, preseason, like regular season win totals. Washington State is currently six and a half. Uh, Oregon is nine and a half. And <laughs> UCLA is eight and a half. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, add in, flip, Carlos. Add in a bowl flip, game. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. I guess we'll find out. I guess if I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm hoping someone clips this so we have it ready at the end of the fucking season so that I don't we can. I think that the Wazoo pick is that bad, actually. Yeah. I think that Wazoo nah, that's is, the is, most is, normal I'm, I'm one. Okay with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, let's move on to uh, another discourse we engage in every single year in the offseason. 
who is under the most pressure to perform in 2023. Every year, there are coaches and players and even whole schools, I think, under massive pressure to have good seasons, either because of lofty expectations or because they haven't met expectations to this point. So pretty simple question here. Let's cut to the chase. Avery, start us off. Who's under the most pressure to perform in 2023? This could go a lot of ways. I'm going with the lofty expectations, and I think it's Colorado, especially with them Mm. going to the Big 12. Um, Obviously, the bar is literally on the floor. They got one win, barely. I I wouldn't even say it's a technicality, their win last year. So, like, really, as long as they get, like, a few wins, um, Deion Sanders will... I think like meet expectations. I think that's where expectations should be at. I think a lot of people are expecting bowl eligibility out of them. And that's where I feel like they're not going to be able to make meet the pressure. Um, but all of us actually watch football and watch Colorado and consume PAC 12 content know that the pressure should be to perform like, I don't know, four wins. Yeah. And it's on I, there. It's there. There, The wins are there. Colorado I, state, Stanford on a Friday, um, they could probably pick up at least one more. Yeah, I think that this is a good is this is a good pick, but I would I would change it to just in the two weeks, just in the first two weeks of the season. I think there is significant pressure to not get your ass kicked by TCU in the press. Oh yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if they are competitive, I think that you're able to maintain a lot of of them continuing to be in the the relevancy of college football and continue to let Dion be extremely extremely loud about what Colorado is this year. I think if they get their ass kicked, I think they immediately do not get talked about the rest of the season. That's true. Nobody uh, will watch cuz they're going to get their ass kicked by Oregon and USC. So um I I think that that becomes a really big problem and ultimately like Look, are they going to be relevant for any championships or any bowling? I don't think so. Ever? But I do think Maybe? that you need Question to look ever? like I do think that you need to look like you have a pulse in those first two games. Yeah. Yeah, those first two it's an interesting point about those first two games. Uh at TCU right off to start the season. I don't know who makes these schedules for Colorado or like if they're thirsty for money, like they're really hurting. But this is like the fourth year in a row now where their non conference has looked fucking absurd. Um at TCU and home versus Nebraska and home versus Colorado State, which I get it. They'll probably be bad, but that's still a rivalry. Um, they have two rivalries here and then TCU. I, like that's And TCU is what? Aren't they a preseason top five or something like that? Um, that's tough. Uh, I sort of think if they're competitive and if they come out of that one and two or even two and one, I think there's a real chance they come out of that two and one with a loss at TCU. I don't know. I mean, they. I'd feel very. I'd be very interested in Colorado the rest of the way. I'm not convinced that they're going to get their asses kicked by Oregon and USC or some of the better teams on the schedule. I'm not saying that they're going to win. I don't really think they have a chance of winning those games. But I also think that their talent level has increased enough, and Deion Sanders has proven to be a good enough of a coach that I think they'll be competitive. I think they will make those games interesting in the third and fourth quarters. Uh, I don't think it's going to be like 2022 Colorado that's just getting their ass beat and we can pencil that in every fucking time. Uh, I do think they're going to be more competitive. Their talent level has increased. And again, uh, I I do feel like 
you know, Deion Sanders does a good enough job to get them to be competitive. So they are under a lot of pressure to perform. You're right. I, I think that there is a ton of pressure to perform. People are betting on Colorado to win the national championship, which like come the fuck on. Um, uh, they're not even coming close to a Pac-12 title, but uh, I, I don't know. I guess I have a little bit more. I'm more intrigued and interested in Colorado as a competitive program. Um, okay. So that is Avery's pick for who's under the most pressure to perform. Matthew Hubertson, how about you next? Who's under the most pressure to perform for you? This is interesting. I think that, um, I think, <laughs> excuse me, I think that Cal is the most likely to be firing their coach, but I don't mm. know that I would necessarily actually call that pressure. <laughs> <laughs> like Justin I think Wilcox, you could say Justin Wilcox is under the most pressure to perform. Yeah, no, I don't actually know that there's actually <laughs> that much pressure. <laughs> okay. Um, like I just, I, it, it feels so like just nobody actually cares and like it's not going to prevent him from getting another job. Like I don't, <laughs> maybe, and shit, like maybe you would prefer to get another job. I just, I don't know how much pressure that actually is. I, I am tempted to say something along the lines of Arizona. Um, you've been on this upward trajectory and, and obviously, you know, the stuff that we've seen uh, in their off season and, and how a couple of the Jaden Delora things have been handled. And I, I just, I don't know that that is the coldest uh, seat and, and situation in Arizona. And I do think that like, Arizona state no longer being an absolute trash can on fire for three years running. Um, I think probably is, is going to be impactful. So I, I lean Arizona the most here with a slight nod to Oregon state, but yeah, I'd say it's Jetfish in particular for me, to be honest. Uh, I think I'm not sure if Arizona as a program is under the most pressure reform, it's Jet Fish. I think you're right. Uh, I think this is one of those years where you've had you went one you barely avoided 0 and 12 in 2021. Got 1 and 11, one of the worst seasons in Pac-12 history until that was followed up by the actual worst season in football history by Colorado. 2022, you're competitive, kind of chaotic. Five wins. You increase your talent level. You have an incredible off season. There was no such off season this year for Arizona. It was a pretty ho hum off season. They're not getting a ton of talent. They actually lost some talent. Some a lot of that to the transfer portal. Their best player in Dorian Singer is now at USC. So you know, Jed Fish, you're what you're three now. Um, he's got to get to bowl eligibility or I think he's going to be losing his fan base, right? Like that's what it feels like to me. Um, and not to say that he's been bad or anything, that this is a sort of last straw. I think he'll get another year if Arizona does falter, but it does feel like this is kind of a, a bit of a prove it year. Uh, I'm not sure if anyone else agrees or they feel like, you know, maybe we're too, too hard on Arizona state right or Arizona right now. I think this discourse kind of is is maybe a year ahead of where it should be uh mm. but it's interesting for that reason uh I, they've been on such an upward trajectory i don't view it as that much pressure i don't think that uh his seat is very hot right now but i do like you know looking forward and saying yeah if they miss a bowl game this year it could become that way because i think there's a conversation you can have about like okay, what is the real ceiling here? Can you keep replicating winning recruitments like Tedaroa McMillan? I mean, they just won a big one uh, in five-star edge, Elijah Rushing. But, you know, can Arizona actually keep leveling up 
and go to bowling, go to contending for the conference going forward. I'm not sure. And I think that it looks a lot worse, obviously, if they can't make a bowl game this year. Um, once you kind of hit that plateau, questions start being asked. They haven't hit that yet, but I think this is a year uh, that they could potentially plateau. Avery, what about you? Do you feel like uh, Jed Fish is under a lot of pressure? Arizona, a lot of pressure here. You, you, you are, or do you, or do you believe Reed's first statement, which is that we're a year ahead of actually anything close to that? Yeah, we're always ahead. We're always the first ones to <laughs> have the discourse. Um, yeah, we're we're probably ahead. Unfortunately, his seat's not very hot. I think going from one and eleven to having like being on the cusp of bowl eligibility is like a good enough improvement that will keep people okay with how Arizona looks, but the reaction to this season will definitely be interesting. Yeah. I think I think that it honestly says more about like what the rest of the seats across the Pac-12 are, right? Like every hot seat turned over this last year. And mm. as far as Wilcox at Cal, like I don't think that there's any energy in that program whatsoever to create a hot seat. Like it's just it's just you think they're Stanfording. A, it's just such a shrug situation where like mm. Yeah, maybe that seat turns over. I don't think it's anything where like it, you can make a huge deal of it either way. Like I just I I think that that and I mean you just yeah you look across the rest of the landscape in the Pac-12. Like is Chip Kelly the next hottest? Like I don't <laughs> you know nobody else is going anywhere. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. I will say I'll throw in uh, mine right now. I, I think there is a coach out there who is under a lot of pressure, but I don't think it's a head coach. Uh, I think it's Alex Grinch. I think very obviously he is the coach with the most pressure to perform this year. Uh, Lincoln Riley fucking loves Alex Grinch, has never fired him as far as I know. Uh, so I don't know. He might. He's going to be on the hot seat. It was already a big issue that he was brought back for a second year. I almost went two ways on this, and I'll explain the other one, but – um, I, I sort of feel like it is Alex Cringe. They do have to see at least a considerable improvement defensively for him to keep his job. Uh, he might as well be a what's the non ableist version of a, a an L A M E doc? What's what's the we need a we need a name for that anyway? Just a dude who's like going to be floating. Um, you know, he's if if they're not top fifty defensively, he's gone. Like I cannot imagine that an an improvement from bottom tier of the Pac-12 to like below average is going to save his job. I, I think he's absolutely gone after this year unless, again, he does something incredible and if he does manage to do enough to keep his job, USC's probably getting close to winning a national championship if they got a top 50 defense. Like That's all. They they need a top 60 defense in order to be real national championship contenders with the amount of offense they have. So, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it's Alex Grinch for me, the coach who has the most uh, pressure to perform. I just... This is a side rant. You got to stop saying top 60. The difference between the 25th best defense and the 80th best defense is smaller than the difference between the 25th best defense and the 20th. USC like, will have the best <laughs> offense by by a huge margin. Who gives a fuck? Like That's fine. They just need enough Them defense to like between 80 not, and 60 is zero improvement. <laughs> they they just need a defense that can like hold uh, an elite team to a field goal once in a while. That's that's all they need with the offense that they have. Um, yeah, they do only need a top 60 defense with the offense they have because the gap between the number one offense and the number 10 offense is also fucking massive. And you know who the number one offense in the country is? It's fucking USC. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's yeah. Just got, not, it's just not an improvement. 
Like okay. they, that level of improvement is not an improvement and it's not going to get them where they want to be. That is a massive improvement, but okay. Fair. No, it's not. <laughs> going from 90th, 98th to 60th is not an improvement. Me, I love how up. much Carlos loves using this metric, considering he does not watch football outside the Pac-12, so he has <laughs> really no perspective on what these numbers actually mean. Neither do you. What are you talking <laughs> He's about? Just, I mean, I don't do it either, but I don't use, I don't say top 10, I don't say top 30, because I don't fucking know what's happening out in the ether. Like, I don't know. I don't have perspective on that, so I'm not going to use it as, like, a frame of reference. Yeah. Uh, Reed's pursing his lips. What do you got to say, Reed? Yeah, not to acknowledge the truck stops too much, but I mean, Georgia, Alabama, they would fucking obliterate USC. Their obliterate. offenses, yeah, I mean, their offenses are are actually not that much worse uh, from like uh, points per drive perspective uh, and efficiency perspective and game control perspective, and their defenses are. I mean, they're playing a different sport. It's like FCS football versus the AFC West. Like, it's. it's How did you close. feel? Well, I mean, we have we have some evidence of Lincoln Riley and a horrible defense and an elite offense playing against Georgia in a playoff game. How did that go? It was a, it was was it not extremely Their competitive? Their defense was a shit ton better in what was that twenty seventeen? It was like seventieth then. It was a lot better than USC's defense last year. Which was like 70th, which Matt Hubertson said, going from yeah, 98th to 70th is not an improvement. Okay, if that's we a saw, whole lot better. Yeah, for Carlos, plus, USC had the 63rd best defense last year. You you got it. <laughs> you got to at least. Per, per beta rank, about. I listen to beta, beta rank is my Bible. Oh. Uh, and they were... <laughs> And they were well outside 60th. I'll pull it up right now. I have it. But and the difference between 60th and 80th is three points per game. Like that's not. <laughs> it's not a big difference. You're using points per game. Is that what you're using? Did you just tell me? Did you just cite no, points per game it, on this I, podcast. An expected an expected points given up based off of a, an average offense. Come on, like know what know how SP plus talks. <laughs> uh, Reed, were you going to say something else? Just like we saw them play Tulane and they fucking folded and gave up like 40 plus points. Yeah. I mean, they like, yes, they're not. That's why that's why they can't compete with the top Mm -hmm. teams in the country. And on offense, I'm sorry, but like we don't can only score seven points. We actually don't know what they would do against a Georgia level defense. We don't know that Uh, Uh, they played Oregon State and they did struggle. Actually. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Um, <laughs> keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Uh, we, saw, we saw Georgia. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what they would do against Georgia. Uh, motherfucker, they played Oregon State. You need to cut that and tweet it. <laughs> Holy shit. That is I would said some insane shit on this podcast. <laughs> I haven't even scratched that comment. I haven't even come You're close. wearing a fucking Oregon State sweater. I did not compare them to Georgia. <laughs> the literal Philadelphia Eagles defense right now. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, Matthew Richardson, you're up. 
Who's oh, under? Did you already say who's nice. under the most pressure to perform? Did we already go through this, everyone? You already okay. went through. Okay. Right. No, no not. we're not. Wait, Reed has it gone. I'm of still here. Apparently, they need to be as good as Georgia. Um, <laughs> that's who's under the most pressure. Reed. All right, Reed. Reed, it's your turn. Who's under the most pressure to perform? I think this is a few years ahead of the narrative, but Washington and Kalen DeBoer, their talent level. The pieces in this passing offense, whether it's Penix, McMillan, Adunze, there's a lot leaving after this year, and they're not backfilling with the level of talent coming in that's going to be going out of the program. So they really need to cash in and at least make a conference title, make a New Year's Six game this year, and parlay that into a step up in recruiting. Otherwise, they're going to fall back and back and back and they're going to become the team like UCLA, for instance, who has a really smart schematic head coach, but a lazy roster manager, and they end up being just above average every year. Yeah, they give a headache to a team that you know is going to visit Seattle, sure, but if they don't recruit better, they're not going to compete uh, you know, for playoff spots consistently. So that's what I have. Did you just say that... Kalen DeBoer is under the most pressure because of recruiting. <laughs> because because the <laughs> opportunity at Washington this year is so much different than it's set up to be over the next five years. This is the last year that they can really cash in and credibly say, we can be a top 10 or even top five team. That opportunity isn't going to be there after this season if they don't take advantage of it now. That's interesting. Um, okay. Any uh, disagreements with that? I mean, that's the first recruiting one that we've gotten, but it it's, it's recruiting related. Um, but uh, any quips with Kalen DeBoer being under the most pressure to perform? I had a thought and uh, a thought about picking Washington. I, I don't think that like it's insane to say that as far as like we've already gone through three others who are probably under more pressure. Um, but I do think I, I just it's a year two. Like, I just don't think that there's anything that resembles pressure in a year two. I, it does not matter how you were the next year. It does not matter how you project to be in year three. He's not going to be fired. Like, yeah, no way he's going to be fired. Even, I mean, we've seen Washington, like, even if he settles into an eight, nine, occasional 10 win pace, a la what Chip Kelly's doing, I don't think he'll be fired for a long time. Um, but, and I'm happy about that. Um <laughs> But if you talk about like program trajectory, this is a like huge leverage point right now for Washington. Can they succeed and keep on an upward pace or will they not take advantage of the opportunity and kind of stagnate? Yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I, I do think that there is a lot of pressure because of Washington's expectations this year. I also think, though, like unless as long as he's avoiding a disaster going six and six, seven and five, even uh, I think it'll probably be seen as a win. Like personally for me, I know Washington's getting a lot of preseason hype and pack 12 championship favorites, but if they like, if they somewhat underperform and go nine and three, I feel like that would be still a really promising sign to follow up an 11 win season with a nine win season um, with, you know, like, given where they're at with a tougher schedule i don't know like i think i think people should take that as a big win so i guess i'm the of the opinion that uh you know 
I guess I'm uh, I guess I'm of the opinion that he's under some pressure, but I don't know that the the expect, expectations are quite as lofty as uh, as sometimes the national media might report. All the to be. pressure is coming from Washington fans because they yeah. they should be in national championship contention every single year. They're fucking insane. So like, yeah, <laughs> if they get ten wins this season, they're they're gonna be pissed off. But like nationally, I mean, it, as long as they get nine wins, I think they're fine. Na- yeah. National media are absolutely picking Washington to be who is in the conference championship game against USC. And like the pick, if you're not picking USC, like I don't, I, I think you underestimate what national media actually thinks of Washington this year. Yeah. National media do. I do. I do think that they are, um, they, they're putting quite a lot of pressure on Washington. Um, any others? I got one more here. Uh, I, I said Caleb Williams, but not in the like he needs to perform or people going to think are going to think that he sucks way. But in the if he doesn't play as well as he did last year, USC is going to be very uh, mediocre. Like he needs to have another Heisman level season. I think I don't think you can expect the defense to improve enough to buffer some decline in his in his play. Um, and, you know, the offensive line actually probably a little bit better they got some they've got some dudes there but um i sort of think that he needs to perform at very close to a heisman level again this year in order for usc to get to 10 wins even so i i put him he's under a lot of pressure from his own team to actually have to be the one who performs so you think it you think that the heisman winder is under pressure to play good so his team is good (laughs) you don't agree no i do okay I just feel like we're saying things that don't need to be said now. Okay. All right. <laughs> and also, else? Caleb Williams falling off is still the best quarterback in the conference. <laughs> like, yeah. There is not a world where Caleb Williams is so bad that yeah. USC is scoring 20 points a game. Let's that's, calm down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. They still, yes. I think uh, a 70% Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the, in the Pac-12 by, by a good margin. Like he's so good. Yes. I have Reed, a few. You got, Go ahead. Yeah, I've got a few other players that I think are interesting. Um, Bo Nix, just I don't think any player in this conference has quite as much volatility in his draft stock. Don't as Bo, Bo don't do Nix. Get out of here. That's my bit. <laughs> don't do that. We weren't doing it. I was waiting for you. All right, Reed, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, yeah, I think like he could credibly play him play his way into a first round draft pick. He can trick mm. people into thinking that about him if Oregon's really good. He also uh, could stumble, could not take advantage of opportunities, whatever, could get injured, whatever, and potentially be like an undrafted free agent. Who knows? So there's a lot of money on the line there. Uh, and then two players who are like absolutely crucial to their teams: Sam Jackson, the quarterback at Cal. I mean, holy shit. Outside of injuries, so much is riding on that dude uh, compared to like any other player in this conference. He could be the worst quarterback in the Pac-12 and Cal will be in the basement of the league. He could be the most athletic quarterback in Cal history and actually throw competently and Cal could be like the seventh best team in the league. Um, So a lot of Cal's fate is tied to him. And I think similarly, a lot of Utah's fate is tied to Jaquin and Jackson because so much of their offense depends on a really uh, dynamic ball carrier. And Jaquin and Jackson is the option in that room that actually has upside to be a Zach Moss or Tavion Thomas when he was good. 
and kind of carry them to a thousand plus yards and be the engine of an offense in Salt Lake City. Um, and so he really needs to hit on the hype that Utah fans are building. Matthew Beeson, you look like you got something to say. I do, yeah. Um, I, as far as is it Sam Jackson? Is that yes. It? Okay. Um, little to uh, have that name associated with somebody else. Um, the uh, the idea that he's under pressure when he has literally me to throw the ball to, um, I think is a little excessive. He could be the best quarterback in the league, and he might throw for fifteen hundred yards. Um, the and then as far as Utah goes, like I think Brand Keith, he is under much much more pressure than Jaquin and Jackson. I think that as the quite realistically only passing threat in that offense and taking over what Dalton Kincaid was able to do last year. Um, I think that no matter who is running the ball, Utah is going to be able to run the ball. They have other guys in that quarterback in that running back room that are going to be just fine. Um, I, I think to be able to have any sort of a balanced offense, Brand Keithy is going to need to have a big year for Utah. Yeah. And Jaquinn Jackson is not even Utah starting running back. Uh, yes, he is. It's cam rising. I read fall camp shit too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to go. I had to go with another cam RB rising joke. Um, Cal's, Cal's receiver room is not that bad. It's okay. I don't want to hear that. about Cal on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Cal exclusionary podcast. I know one wide receiver name associated with Cal, and he currently plays for UCLA. That is correct. So, yes. Jeremiah Hunter's back, back, right? Jeremiah Hunter's yeah. at Cal still. Jeremiah so. Hunter's back. You got screen passes to Cardwell and Ott. I mean, <laughs> maybe, maybe one of them slides into the slot. Who knows? Oh, Can they run the wing tee? Yeah. <laughs> I would be very into that. Oh, goodness. Yeah, Cal, don't want to talk about them either. Um, okay, let's move on here to our next segment. Uh, this is let's, let's be quick with this. We're a little running a little bit long. This is a, a, a question we asked last year, but I think has a very different meaning this year. Who's coaching for the last time in the Pac-12 this year? Um, uh, we've, uh, I think, given the state of the Pac-12, you might say all of them. <laughs> you might say everyone is coaching for their last time in the Pac-12. But let's let's talk specifically about who you think is getting fired, who you think might be leaving their current jobs for greener pastures. Um, or maybe you do think that the conference is dying and <laughs> and it is going to be everyone. But let's let's hear your thoughts on who is coaching the lot for the last time in the Pac-12 this year. Matthew Hubertson, how about you start us off? Yeah, it's everyone. <laughs> That's it. It's everyone. Um, I think that the only person actually like leaving their job is is definitely going to be um, Wilcox. I, I just I don't see any way that he makes it in the next season. But um, more Cal talk. Sorry, West Texas Mike. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, I think that everybody else is going to be just fine uh, coaching in the Big Twelve and Mountain West Conference, respectively. Okay. Reed, do you agree? What did you have? you think is coaching the last time in the Pac-12 this year? I had Tosh Lupoy, def- defensive coordinator mm. at Oregon. Uh, I think a lot of the narratives around Grinch, you could kind of apply to him. Uh, he has a big contract and didn't have any results in year one. He doesn't, he hasn't quite made the career out of mediocre defenses so far that Grinch has, but he's slowly building that track record. And I think if he can't demonstrate value this year, uh, he could easily become, you know, the scapegoat uh, that gets cut after the season. Mm. That's 
a good one. Avery, what about you? Who do you think is coaching for the last time in the Pac-12 this year? I believe words have power, and speaking <laughs> things out loud is a great way to manifest. And I am manifesting that Jed Fish is not coaching in the Pac-12 next year. Not necessarily mm. for results on field, but I think he should be held accountable for recruiting Jaden Delora to Arizona. And we haven't really seen much from that. It's like very obvious that he knew the situation with Jaden Delora before he recruited him for Arizona. And considering that Jaden Delora is expected to play and Jed Fish is supposed to be coaching this season, I think that's horrible and he should not have a job. So this is me speaking out to the universe that he's held accountable for Jaden Delora playing at Arizona. Unfortunately, don't think he will, uh, but he should be. You're right. Uh, after J- if, for those who are a little out of the loop on what happened with Jaden Delora this offseason, he was. It came out that several years ago he settled a civil lawsuit after he was accused of sexually assaulting a girl while he was in high school, and uh, apparently Arizona kind of knew about this, um, and Jed Fish knew about it when they recruited him here. Washington State apparently knew about this, uh, so when they all decided to give him a, give him a, a D one scholarship to to play football, and you know Arizona's come out with some positive statements, so. I would be great if he would leave, just simply leave. That would be fantastic. Um, I, I sort of, am, I, I sort of am going the route of is going to leave for greener pastures, and I'm going to say Dan Lanning. Uh, I think that. <laughs> Wait, but I thought Miami. Oregon was winning eight games. He's going, I um, was winning eight eight, games. he's going to what's Georgia? He's Kirby Smart's leaving for the NFL. And Dan Lanning. <laughs> would Dan Lanning really is going funny. to Georgia. <laughs> you can be I, the most powerful person in the state of Georgia, or you can be an NFL coach. <laughs> Nick Saban did it when he left LSU. I don't see why not. Um. Anyway, no, I don't. I don't think that Dan Lanning is leaving for now <laughs> uh, he's probably got another year yeah. or two Ohio there Ohio State head coach Dan Lanning <laughs> <laughs> um, no I think I, I sort of wonder about Chip Kelly I think it is perpetually his last year at UCLA I am not sure how much he loves being at UCLA I'm not sure how much he loves being a head coach I certainly don't think that he loves being in college. I think if an offensive coordinator position opened up in the NFL, he'd probably consider it, but he's also a bit of a control freak and needs to be in charge. He's leaving um, the Pac-12 anyways, though. He's, he is leaving the Pac-12 anyway. <laughs> um, but I do think there's a real shot that he leaves UCLA. I feel like it's been that way for a couple of years now that he's just sort of like coaching for his job, but also UCLA is trying to keep him. But... You know, and so this year is going to be tell us a lot. You know, if if UCLA goes crazy and they manage to win the Pac-12 and are and have a really gaudy record, I think there's a real chance that he decides to levy that into something that fits him better. Or if he's doesn't perform as well, maybe it's a seven win season, maybe it's a six win season. They UCLA and Chip Kelly might be like, all right, the, we're burned out on this relationship. We're good. Um, so I don't know. I'm always I'm always very skeptical of Chip Kelly and his. You know whether he's he's long for a college football coaching job, so that's who I that's who I have here. Any other uh, suggestions here? Thoughts about coaches that are probably coaching for the last time at their current job? No. Wit. 
Is there any thought that no. Winningham for the, for the 20th offseason in a row? I just think he doesn't like his family. I think that's where we're at. Like at this point, he's just avoiding them. Like it's his last excuse to like not be around his wife and children and his grandkids. <laughs> did I did I say my like the condensed calendar take is is actually improved his quality of life? Did I did I drop that take here? Or was that I don't on think another? so. I, I might have said that somewhere else. I honestly think that this condensed calendar where coaches are having to work 24 hours a day for four months out of the year is actually helping Whittingham. I think that that's actually <laughs> how he wants to live life and, and is actually like reinvigorated by this calendar that so many coaches absolutely despise. I don't think he's interested in work-life balance. I think he's interested in riding his motorcycle to the football facility mm-hmm. <laughs> and like just kind of being a figurehead for Utah football and then like going home at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. This this was the best indication that he doesn't like spending time with his family. Uh, he dressed <laughs> the sports coat. <laughs> this is the nicest Kyle Whittingham has ever dressed. This is what it looks like. Kyle Whittingham has been wearing polos for, I don't know, 30 years. 30, how old is he? 70 years old? He's been wearing polos his entire fucking life. Uh, has, I've never, I've never seen that wear, man wear anything remotely nice. Then suddenly he decides in the most Can recent Pac-12. Polos not nice? Are you kidding me? What is this? Suddenly, shit? suddenly at Pac-12 Media Days, he's coming up, showing up, looking pretty fly in this outfit here. Uh, is he looking? Is he on the market? Is he available? I don't know. Just saying. We saw this with uh, Del Curry when him and Sonia Curry were uh, split up. Steph Curry's parents. Del Curry comes out dripping, uh, I, and and I don't know. Maybe maybe I something would, happened. I would like similar to happening you here. That the last time somebody insulted his wife, um, they didn't win a football game for fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna. I was I gonna say. I'm we're like, not. I do not endorse this line. <laughs> he has. He has punched too many BYU fans in defense of his wife to um I'm not saying anything talking. about his wife. His Kyle, wife seems this great. Is Carlos but Twitter is he... user Equity Bruin. <laughs> I have his address if you want it. I'm just wondering if he's single. It has nothing to do he's with his wife. Okay. I think he just single. I think he's just trying to be young and hip and cool. It looks cool. He's an offensive head coach, apparently. Kyle Whittingham, don't punch me. I literally said you're looking pretty you're looking pretty good out there. I think that was a good fit. Kyle Whittingham is not listening to our podcast. <laughs> no worries. We don't know about that. Is the Utah the Utah twenty four seven message board gonna post this again? And we got rumors anew. Remember one of our first five episodes ever? They were like, oh no God. truck Te- stops. Still not technically that wrong insane. about that yet. By the that way. put us on the map. <laughs> still not technically wrong about that yet. Uh, Wait, what did you say? That I would be shocked if Kyle was on the sidelines in twenty twenty three. Got a month. You got four Not weeks. Not wrong yet. <laughs> uh, you got four weeks for that to come come true. All right. Well, that's it. That is all we had. Uh, that was our first of our four-part preview series. Tune in next Sunday at 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube or on Monday, wherever you get your podcast for part two. If you want more Pac-12 stuff from us, you know where to find us. We're at NoTruckStops.com for all of that. And hey, Tweet us your thoughts at No Truck Stops Pod. And don't forget to like this video and subscribe to our channel. All right, let's get the hell off this thing. That's Avery. That's Matt. That's Reed. I'm Carlos. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, there are no truck stops here. We did talk about Colorado again. So one truck stop. 
Wine on the boat tonight, I think I'll be a superstar. 